there was some amazing testimony in Congress yesterday. Uh, we should go over it. There were three separate hearings, one on anti-Semitic behavior on campus, the second one on the FBI and the Hunter Biden laptop and weaponization, and the third one involving trans people going into sports, into women's sports. And just the things that were said, absolutely amazing. Let's go through that. There's a court case in the Supreme Court this week that I've got some thoughts on, and it's not going to be one of those court cases you're going to see a lot about, but let's talk through, let's talk about it. And the LGBTQ plus poop emoji group seems to be making crap up again. And I don't understand how something that is actually quite normal has got its own sexuality now. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Boy, I got a lot to talk about today. Um, this is going to be one of the b- better podcasts for me. I mean, I don't really have to t- talk too much at all about much of anything. All I have to do is sit back and uh, let these people talk for me because they're so dumb. So let's get to it. I mean, we don't have, we don't even need a dumbasses of the day because Congress was in session yesterday. And when Congress is in session, you got plenty of dumbassery going on. So, and we got some today. So yesterday, the first, the first set, and this was the biggest, the, the biggest sound clip. So the first session involved a involved a committee that decided to talk about why Ivy League universities like Harvard, MIT, Columbia, universities like that seem to have no problem with anti-Jewish rhetoric. And we're not talking, I don't like Jews or I don't like Israel. I'm talking, let's kill them all. That's the kind of rhetoric that's going on in these college campuses. And by the way, I used to go I used to go to UCLA. I know what UCLA I know UCLA does it. I know Berkeley does it. I know UCSD does it. I know all these colleges do this stuff. Uh, and and here's Elise Stefanik. She's sitting back and asking about it. She's saying, Hey, do you guys consider I don't know, calling for the genocide of the Jews, harassment, and if it is, what do you guys do about it? You will be absolutely shocked by the answers of these supposedly really educated people. Let's listen. At Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your testimony that you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The 
speech is not harassment, this is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual. Targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard code of conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Now, let's be clear on something here. Let's be very clear. These colleges will put you in front of a board, a disciplinary board, if you use the wrong pronoun with somebody. These schools will put you in front of a disciplinary board if you dead name somebody. But if you're calling for the death, the genocide of an entire group of people, they're okay with this. Oh, unless you're you're actually committing genocide. Elise Stefanik, I, now Elise Stefanik's not the brightest tool in the drawer. She should have made it clear that the answer these guys were giving was there is no harassment policy for screaming genocidal slogans at their colleges. Can you imagine if you're a Jew and you're going to Harvard or MIT or Penn? And uh, you've got all these people screaming about, uh, you know, mind you, Penn is where Riley Gaines got into trouble because she sat back and said that uh, Leah Thomas is not a woman. She got into trouble for that. She was told she had to deal with it. Riley Gaines didn't go to Penn. But, but the fact of the matter is, the girls at Penn we're told you're not allowed to say that Leah Thomas is a man. His name's William, by the way. They got into trouble for saying William Thomas is a man. He doesn't belong in the women's locker room. But meanwhile, you can scream for the death and rape of the Jews. And that's okay. Wow. They should all be fired. Every one of those gals should be fired. And they should be replaced with someone. And the first question they should be asked during the job interview is uh, do you support the genocide of the Jews? I can't believe we have to ask people that question. I mean, we've become a country now that actually supports genocide. I, it's just absolutely amazing. 
Okay, there was another, the poor FBI. The FBI is just, a, it's an absolute shit show over there. And Christopher Ray, the FBI director, was in front of Congress again. And of all people, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, who sit back, who sits back and has no problem speaking his mind, is asking uh, Christopher Ray about election interference, about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, about calling for censorship and crap like that. And um, I, unfortunately. Christopher Ray basically just admitted, yeah, we were kind of interfering with the election. I didn't say that, but his answer was kind of the same. I mean, his answer was could be construed as such. I couldn't imagine that you could say that the FBI wasn't interfering with the election. Let's listen to uh, Senator Kennedy rip apart uh, Christopher Ray. Why didn't the FBI just say, hey, the, 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 the laptop's real. Why don't you just tell everybody the laptop's real? We're not vouching for what's on it, but it's real. This isn't a, 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 a fiction. Well, I, I, as you might imagine, the FBI cannot, especially in a time like that, be talking about an ongoing investigation. Second, I would tell you that at least my understanding is that both the FBI folks involved in the conversations and the Twitter folks involved in the conversations both say that the FBI did not direct Twitter to uh, suppress. But others were story. in government. Well, I can't, again, I can't speak to others in government. Now, that's part of the point that I was trying to make because the Fifth yes, Circuit's sir, but opinion. But you're the FBI. You're not part of the White House and part of Homeland Security. You're not supposed to be political. You see all this controversy going on. Why didn't the FBI say, time out, folks. We're not getting in the middle of this, but the laptop's real. Again, we have to be very careful about what we can say, especially in the middle of uh, an election season because that's precisely some of the problems that led to my predecessor's uh, negative findings from the Inspector General. Did you hear a gavel? Thank you, Senator I heard Kennedy. A gavel. So in other words, this guy had to, in order to, hey, I got news for you, that laptop showed us a lot of what Biden's about. Something that we're not going to get in a debate. Something that we're not going to get in one of his ads. That laptop showed us that Joe Biden was corrupt. 70, 60% of the people who said if they had known about the laptop say they wouldn't have voted for him? Those are his voters. So by the FBI sitting there and saying, not saying anything about the laptop, they were interfering with, with the election. And the question was, well, did you guys actually call somebody and tell people to... That they, they, he's saying no, 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 no. We know that's not true. We've got the Twitter files. We know it's not true. They, they were sending out, there's disinformation, and suddenly the laptop was banned everywhere. And then they sit back. Well, we, we, can't, we can't deny or, or affirm that the laptop is real because we'll be interfering with the... You did. You did. Everyone knew the it, it was taken off the air. It was taken off. The FBI refused to acknowledge the laptop. The FBI sent emails saying disinformation is out there concerning Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden. The FBI did say this. We've got the emails. It's all a lie. 
Christopher Wray needs to be the first one fired once uh, Trump wins the White House. By the way, Trump's winning the election. He Trump is now over 50% in some of the polls. I never thought in my lifetime I'd see Donald Trump at over 50% in the polls. This, this character needs to be the first one fired. And I don't think he's a bad guy. I really don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's twisted by ideology. I think he's got his arms tied behind him. He's got his hands tied behind him. I think the Democrats really got him by the balls. Because he seems to give good information and then mix it with misinformation. He's kind of out there when it comes to this stuff. The next hearing we're going to cover, and this was the most fun, is the Title IX hearing concerning trans women, which means men, competing in women's sports. And a lot of this stuff was just absolutely hysterical. And now the first one is the National Women's Law Center president, a gal by the name of Fatima Goss Graves. She decided to say in her opening statement, really make a splash with everybody. Basically, she was saying that women need to start learning to lose gracefully to men who compete in their sports. This was absolutely awesome. Let's listen. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully, and often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, They learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. So I feel compelled to just end my testimony with a few ideas for the committee to pursue if it really wants to work on this issue. We could make it safer for student athletes who report harassment and sexual misconduct. We could address resource dis- You know, I got a solution to this whole thing. I do. I, I, have a, I have an awesome solution. We don't need to discuss it in Congress too. have men compete in men's sports. If you were born a man, you're a man, you always will be a man, you compete with the men. See, here's the thing. A lot of these people in colleges and high schools have competed in men's sports. Do you know why they're competing in women's sports? Because they sucked in the men's sports and they want to be number one. They want to win. So they want to cheat. Every kid that is competing in women's sports, every kid and man competing in women's sports has competed in the men's sports and they lost because they weren't good enough. I got news to you. In high school, if I had competed against the women, I would be cross-country state champion. There was, there would have been nobody who could have beaten me. Nobody. And I was only above average in the men's group. I could have, I could have beaten the women in cross-country by... I could have beaten the state champion for women in cross-country by two minutes if I, she had a 1650, which is a great time for a woman, 1653 mile, I was running in the 14s. I could have beaten her no problem, just become a woman. But I got news to you, in the men's group, I was above average. I was top 50. 
maybe top, I'd say top 100. Because there were a lot of men who could run 14 minutes. That's that's really the solution here. But you know what, those women? Get over it. Be good sports. Stop being poor sports, women. Let the man beat you. Okay, well, it, it gets better. I Here is Summer Lee, Representative Summer Lee. She's from Pennsylvania. And she got into it with Riley Gaines. And Riley Gaines wasn't having any of it. And then Summer Lee decided she was going to let it go for a while. And then she threw a temper tantrum. And it didn't work out well. She finally decided, I'm not going to win this argument. This is a bad argument to get into. So she backed off. By the way, this clip was 2 minutes and 40 seconds. I cut it down. There was a lot of discussion going on when Summer Lee decided, oh, hey, you know, in the middle of somebody else's opening statement. Oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I, I'm going to protest. She right in the middle of somebody's speech. So let's listen to this debacle. And Summer Lee just looks like an ass in this entire conversation. Such as teamwork and goal setting. In terms of mental health, studies show that participating in youth sports is associated with lower rates of anxiety and depression, lower amounts of stress, higher self-esteem and confidence. Women must stop. Inclusion cannot be prioritized over safety and fairness. And Ranking Member Lee, if my testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Thank you. Uh, Madam Chair, excuse me, I move to have uh, the gentlewoman's words taken down. The committee will suspend. Madam Chair, she's engaging in personalities. Can I just ask how it's fair to be called transphobic? There's a thing. I would say men disguising themselves as women are engaging in personalities. Order. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Order, order. Let's let's get a ruling. The chair. Okay, I move to withdraw the point of order. Thank you, Ms. Lee. Um, I now recognize... Yeah, she just got torn up. And she knew it. There, there was no way she was getting out of that gracefully. Yeah, see, and that's the whole thing. I keep saying the same thing. Everyone says the same thing. You know... It's misogyny to let men play against women. And this is why I'm all for it. Okay, hey, you you gals want women, men to play women? Go for it. Now, that doesn't mean I agree with it. That doesn't mean I, I, I want men to f- go against women. I think it's stupid. It doesn't mean I don't feel for the women who lose. But the reality is the women who lose need to sit back and say this is bullshit and stop it. And they're not. That's the whole problem. You got Riley Gaines, who's the only one, and pardon the expression, who has the balls to go out there and sit there and say, no, this is stupid. You people are stupid. You have no argument. And you're a misogynist. You're a sexist. So speaking of stupid, here's AOC. You knew it was going to, you knew we had to get to AOC because, and I had to break her five-minute little thing into two parts. It, it's not as long. It's not five minutes. I'm not going to play all five minutes. I could. I mean, it is really dumb. But let's listen to her opening statement here before she starts questioning people. I've spent a decent amount of my time here in Congress sitting through panels and hearings of men attempting to restrict the rights of women and telling us that it's for our own good. Um, But I want to dive a little bit more deeply 
into why this issue with targeting trans women in sports is particularly problematic, not just for trans girls, but for all of us. We're here today because there's a proposal here, and there are several proposals here, uh, to further marginalize trans women in sports. And I think about this all the time because trans people in the United States doesn't even exceed 1% of our population, and yet there is so many resources and energy and time dedicated to figuring out how we can more finely exclude them um, from our sports. And I thought, why? Why? Why so much effort and dedication on such a tiny portion of the U.S. population when there virtually is no major issue that is... Um, that this is precipitating. And I started to realize that a lot of these proposals here um, involve invasion of privacy. Okay, we'll get to the invasion of privacy thing in a second. All right, because I, I cut this off, but I just want to point out, first off, she tries to make parallels here. And if you didn't catch it, she actually brings it up clearer later. Between She's making a parallel between sexism abortion and men competing against women in women's sports. That's the parallel she's making. And she, again, I'm not making that up. She actually says, brings up the Dobbs decision again. How can you, how you bring up abortion in this is completely unrelated. Trans men cannot, trans women cannot have abortions because they're men. And then the other thing is, um, sexism, that's exactly what we're accusing you of doing. You're being sexist. So, I mean, it, she's all over the map here. And none of what she's saying is makes any sense whatsoever. Unless you buy into the fact that, unless you buy into the belief, the, you buy into the ideology, that men who say they are women are actually women, none of her argument works here. So I don't know if she's so stupid she actually buys that argument. I'm getting the impression she does, but I, she's all over the place. The other thing I want to point out, why are Democrats hanging their hat on this, this subject? She's right. Trans people do make up less than 1% of the population. She's absolutely correct. Now, I can say why I'm hanging my hat, hat on it, because this is becoming a social contagion that needs to be beaten down right now, because soon it won't be 1%, it'll be 10%, 20%. You've already got 20% of high schools saying that they identify as something other than straight. So we're, we're already dealing with the social contagion. I also don't think it's fair that men compete with women. It's taken away the opportunity for women. I also think it's dangerous for men to compete with women. I've got grandkids. I don't want them competing against a man. And I think it's a perversion that men are allowed to go into women's restrooms and locker rooms. I think it's wrong. I know why I'm discussing it. The question is, with the Democrat, why are you doing it? This, can't, this is not a popular issue. People do not believe any of this crap you guys are spewing. Well, the reason they're pushing this issue is because they're trying to make it into a social contagion. They want Gen Alpha and Gen Z to sit there and believe, oh, hey, we're all 
non-binary or whatever. That's that's the whole goal here. Okay, let's listen to her second part, which is just, I mean, it's lying. It's essential. It's stupid, but it's also just flat out lying. So let's listen. And I've got facts here. Let's listen. There, you said there are some proposals. I mean, we've seen this in Ohio. There was a proposed ban on trans athletes that originally allowed for genital examinations on minors in order to quote unquote protect women. Is that correct? Unfortunately, yes. And so we're seeing here in this guise, under the guise of not only trying to further marginalize trans women and girls, we are talking about opening up all women and girls to genital examinations when they are under age. That's right. Potentially just because someone can point to someone and say, I don't think you're a girl? That's correct. And we're saying this in an environment of a post-Dobbs America where states are criminalizing access to abortion and want nothing more than data on women to figure out when, who's getting a menstrual cycle, who doesn't have one. And we're supposed to believe that this is going to make us better and safer? I think not. And per usual, I don't believe we're sitting here in a panel of men that has actually thought about the biology and privacy consequences of all women, trans or cisgender here. Ms. Gosgraves, in addition to that, are there certain groups more likely to face discrimination under these bans? When it comes to, and and what you were speaking to, particularly when it comes to black women and girls? There we go. Sexism racism, homophobia, transphobia, blah, blah, blah. There, it, it, It's all got to come out there. We always got to say it's got to affect blacks and Hispanics. and Oh, we don't talk about Hispanics. Remember, they're white Hispanics now. But yeah, it's it's it affects every... It's victim, victim, victim. Here, Here's the thing. One of the things she brought up, the reason I brought that clip up, is she talked about uh, gender inspections. Which means we're looking at our junk. The schools. The school, the state she's particularly talking about is Ohio. Okay. But she can also talk, this has also been pointed to in Ohio, Florida, and Kansas. Here's here's the reality. And I had to look this up. There was an article in Deadspin. Deadspin talked about this for about 700 words about gender, gender inspection. They didn't name one state that's doing it. They just said, yeah, this gender inspection is bad for the mental health. It's bad. This is bad. That's bad. But it never said who was doing it. Well, here's the reality. None of them are doing it. Florida's not doing it. Kansas is not doing it. Ohio is not doing it. It was brought up. But then they decided, no, the best thing is just a legitimate, valid birth certificate a real birth certificate, not one that was created 16 minutes ago. That's all we need. And that's it. Those are what those states are doing. And those are the states with the most conservative laws. So right off the bat, this is a line of, this line of questioning is nothing but a lie. It's just nothing but a lie. 
So good for AOC. She just proves she's an idiot still. Uh, yeah, it was really entertaining yesterday. I got to tell you, it was it was a lot of fun watching Congress go at it. Okay, so let's get to our first, the second story today. Uh, there's a case in front of the Supreme Court called Muldrow versus, Muldrow versus the city of St. Louis. And it involves a, the question is, does the transferring of an employee to an equivalent but arguably less prestigious position based on their race, color, religion, sex, or national origin violate Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964? That's what this comes down to. Now, there are a couple of problems with this case, okay? Um, we're going to talk about them after, after I read you what the case is, because this is coming from the, uh, this is coming from the Cornell, Cornell uh, EDU, law.cornell.edu, where they discuss the case. And I think it's kind of important we, we take a look at this case and then discuss it. So here we go. Petitioner Sergeant Jatonia Claiborne Muldrow had been a patrol detective in the intelligence division of the St. Louis Police Department since 2008 until her transfer in 2017. She worked on cases involving public corruption, human trafficking, gun crimes, and gangs. The position had... That's important. Please remember, she's working with public corruption, human trafficking, gun crimes, and gangs. So she's dealing basically with organized crime. The position was a traditional eight-hour workday, Monday through Friday. During her assignment to the intelligence division, Muldrow was deputized as a task force officer by the FBI's human trafficking unit. The deputization provided Muldrow with privileges equivalent to those of an FBI agent, including entry into the FBI field offices use of unmarked FBI vehicles, and the potential to earn about $17,000, $18,000 in overtime pay. So mind you, she was deputized. Um, that's important to know too, because typically those are non-permanent positions. Okay, so that's something to know. In 2017, the acting police commissioner appointed a male commander, Captain Deba, to replace the female commander of the intelligence division. Captain Deba swiftly reassigned 17 male officers and five female officers from different ranks and positions across the department. So be aware of that. She's not the only one that was being transferred. Among them, Captain Deba moved two male officers and two female officers, including Muldrow, completely out of the intelligence division. Muldrow was moved to the 5th District on June 12, 2017, her new role, Muldrow, in her new role, the Muldrow was required to carry out administrative tasks and supervisory responsibilities. Due to the transfer, Muldrow lost her role as an FBI task force officer, had to work a rotating schedule that included weekends, and was no longer eligible for the $18,000 of overtime pay, although her salary remained the same and other overtime opportunities were available. Ten days after her transfer, Muldrow filed a discrimination charge with the Missouri Department of Labor Human Rights Commission, alleging that the department and Captain Deba discriminated against her. Okay, so, and by the way, she was given a right to sue letter. So it wasn't like the department said, you know, F you, 
here, here's the thing. She's going to lose this case, and she's going to lose this case big. There, there, this, this, I am shocked this case even went to the Supreme Court. Or the Supreme Court, unless, unless she actually had initially won it in the appellate courts. I'm surprised that, uh, which she probably did. That's why it's at the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court would have just ignored this. This is a stupid case. This is not a discrimination case. Her work with the FBI was temporary. She was deputized. They can remove that, and they did. The second she doesn't become useful. All right? She was already there and in a supervisory position for seven years. Do you know what's really common when you work with for organized crime divisions? They transfer you. Do you know why? Because people have a tendency of becoming corrupt, to be paid off. It is very common that that happens. Even in security areas, just security firms themselves, it's very common that somebody will be transferred from one portion of the security firm to another portion of the security firm simply so that one person isn't doing the same thing because that's where corruption begins to grow. They get too comfortable. The city, the city has already pointed out the discrimination that this is an exception to the discrimination rule in the uh, Title VII case. That this is an exception. And by the way, it's not like she was the only one. Seventeen people, uh, twenty-two people, including seventeen men, were also transferred. So she wasn't the only one. So her being moved, and she wasn't given a lesser job. She was given the same job at the same pay at the different location. She just was no longer an FBI deputy. That's it. And by the way, again, the FBI, they typically deputize you for what they need, and the second the job's completed, they take it away. They don't let you keep it forever. You're not an FBI agent. But she liked being an FBI agent. She could be an FBI agent without having to be trained under the FBI. So this is not gonna this is not gonna go anywhere. Other things weren't discussed here. I'm kind of curious as to what's gonna happen here. Like her work record. I believe the city of St. Louis is just going on the on the deal of hey, uh, this doesn't apply. It, it's just this is this doesn't apply. This is standard procedure. She was trans. She was transferred. Here's the thing. I think she needs to lose this case. I think this needs to be. This needs to be, a slam dunk by the Supreme Court. And we're not talking five to four here. I want to see six three, seven two. I'd even like to see nine zero here. Because the reality is, whenever somebody at work, and I know I used to work, and guess what? At my job. I was transferred into certain areas because of my position. And it was, some of it was a parallel position, but it was not as, again, it was, I was, I lost a lot of uh, respect that the job, the previous job gave me, but I had to be transferred. I just had to deal with it. I couldn't sue, by the way, I couldn't sit there and sue because of discrimination. Every time somebody, every time somebody, something happens to somebody that they don't like, we shouldn't be able to sue just for discrimination. This is a case right now 
that they did what they did for the betterment of the city. They did what they did because it's procedure. They followed procedure. The city of St. Louis is saying, this is our procedure. We followed it. We even gave her a document saying you have the right to sue. She sued. It needs to be dropped. But this is the kind of BS that the Supreme Court is seeing that should never touch a courtroom. Ever touch a courtroom. Much less win. And it looks like this this broad has actually won. Okay, I, I got to tell you something. Let's get to our third story of the day. And it has to do with the LGBTQ plus poop emoji cult just making shit up as they go. I am so tired. They're making new sexualities up by the minute. And a lot of people believe it. There are a few out there. But you have to really find these people. They point out that's not a different sexuality. Here's a sexuality that Canada decided to find. And if you listen to how they define this sexuality, it doesn't actually sound like a sexuality at all. It sounds like how people used to be all the time. Let's read it. This is coming from the National Post. Canada's top medical journal recognized gray sexuality. That's G-R-E-Y-S-E-X-U-A-L-I-T-Y, one word. A relatively new sexual orientation that is a subset of asexuality in a new paper. In fact, it's not a new sexuality. It's what people, it wasn't really a sexuality. It was just a personality trait. So I'm not exactly sure where they're coming from, but these guys just make stuff up. The Canadian Medical Association Journal, which, by the way, really does show you a lot. This is coming from a medical group. You really got to wonder what these medical doctors are actually doing these days because it doesn't seem like they're practicing a hell of a lot of medicine. They're just building up on the ideology. The Canadian Medical Association Journal article published on December 4th defines gray sexuality as, quote, experiencing sexual attraction rarely, or under specific, under specific circumstances, end quote. Now, what the hell does that mean, right? The definition appeared in the article on asexuality, quote, an umbrella term, end quote, referring to those who either only form sexual attraction when emotional bonding needs are met, or those, are gray sec and, or those that are gray sexual. The article cites that the Journal of Gay and Lesbian Mental Health in reference to gray sexuality. In other words, <clears throat> I'm not sexually attracted to anyone unless I actually have an emotional bond with that person. So I'm not just going out and screwing everybody. I just don't do that. Unless I talk to someone, I actually find I like them, and then, I, then I'm attracted to that person. Does that sound familiar? Well, I can tell you this, maybe you're younger than I am, but that sounds like every woman in the 80s. You, you could never get laid in the 80s unless you had some sort of sexual attraction, unless you had some sort of relationship aspect with that individual. And believe it or not, there's a lot of that today. A lot of women and men don't want to just go sleeping with somebody. Too much disease, too much hassle, there's the Me Too movement. I mean, there's lots of reasons why not to sleep with somebody. Heck, 
a lot of men aren't sleeping with women today at all. They're busy with their video games, their phones, their Facebook, their Twitter, blah, blah, blah. They're not even sleeping with women. Does that mean they're, they're gray sexual? No, they're just not going out. And they don't want to deal with the hassle of dealing with these women. Continuing, it goes on to outline the challenges of those who are asexual. This can include mental stress and the feeling of stigma from discrimination, the researchers state. In other words, all of the things that I've already explained. I don't want to go out there and date because dating is a real hassle today. It's a real hassle. If you look at the wrong woman at the wrong time, you're accused of sexual harassment. Look at all the videos at the gyms these days. I mean, if you go to a gym, you you have these women dressed in practically nothing, filming themselves, and if you happen to even glance over, that's posted on the internet as you being a sexual pervert. This is real stuff. Now you've got videos of women on TikTok who are sitting back and saying... Oh, well, I'm not eating at, at the Cheesecake Factory. You have to take me to someplace fancier. The frick are you talking about? Men are turned off to dating now. It, it really is that simple. That doesn't make them asexual. It makes them just like, I don't want to deal with it. It's not worth it. Quote, asexual people also have the unique physical and sexual need, health needs, such as navigating arousal without attraction and learning to set boundaries in relationships. You mean like marriage? You mean like, uh, I don't agree with you this, I don't think we're going to get along, let's break up kind of thing? You mean things that put boundaries in a relationship that men and women have been doing for thousands of years now? Even before marriage became a huge thing? And by the way, navigating arousal without attraction? You mean like just not sleeping with everybody you meet? No one night stands? I mean, that that's what they're talking about. I don't have one night stands. I set boundaries in my relationship. So I'm gray sexual? Wow. Many asexual people have reported being treated as having a disorder in healthcare settings, which can lead to avoidance of medical care, the author writes. You don't need medical care. You don't need medical care. You need either a better personality to start dating, you need to say the right things or do the right things, or you just need to find the right woman or man. You don't need medical profession professionals. It's medical professionals like this you should be staying away from and not listening to. It, it, absolutely incredible. So basically, somebody who wants to be in a monogamous relationship now has their own sexuality. I guess I'm I'm I guess Josie and I are both gray sexuals because we don't have one night stands. We both have boundaries in our relationship. We're sexually, we don't just jump into bed with the first person we see. We never did. Neither of us did that. Absolutely incredible. It, 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 just the fact that these people make stuff up all the time and just to create this different sexuality, I guess that makes me 
non-binary now? What what exactly does that mean? I'm LGBTQ plus? Now I can sit there and say, yes, I'm a gray sexual. How about I'm just a straight white man who's got normal morals? That's what it sounds like to me. Okay, that's it for today. I hope you guys have a great day. God bless. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>